start here. Yeah. Okay, good morning. Today is Friday, the what, 8th of Adar. It is March 18th? Yes, 18th. 18th. I didn't get totally lost, okay. Um, Dan Margulies, I'm selling it for Rabbi Linzer while he is away. And we are on Kiddushin Daf Zion. Uh, really gem-packed daf today with all sorts of interesting things. Uh, but hopefully we'll be able to get through everything in a reasonable amount of time. And let's just start right from the bottom, the last line of Vav Amun Bet. Uh, this is going to introduce... Oh, perfect. Uh, I was wondering, I wasn't here yesterday, so I don't know exactly the spot, but it's a perfect spot. So we're going to have three cases uh, introduced by Rava, which are strange cases of Kiddushin. Then we're going to have a fourth case, which is itself even stranger, perhaps. And a major question would be, how do these cases work? The problem is that in a normal case of Kiddushin, the act of Kiddushin is that the man would give something of value to the woman, and that's what we would consider to be Kesef Kiddushin. That's the object of value, or the money that's being used to effect the Kinyan of the Kiddushin. That is, the... Uh, Whatever it is, it's not really purchase, obviously. We've uh, touched on that before. But the notion that Kiddushin is affected through some kind of a transaction, some kind of a formalized process, uh, which introduces the uh, both prohibitive aspects of marriage as well as certain uh, other aspects of the requirements of marriage as well. And that's affected through, in this case, Kesef, or in the whole series of Kiddushin Kesef. So here are unique or strange ways of doing Kiddushin Kesef. So I'm a Rava. Rava says, ten mana leploni. Now this is going to get a little bit tricky, so maybe we need to write it out on the board. Um, we're going to have three different cases that are going to involve three players. That is, we're going to have, we'll call... That doesn't erase too well. Oh, the green one doesn't erase so well? Sorry. Okay, it's all right. Okay. Alice is Isha. Bet is the Baal, the husband. And we're going to have Pei is Ploni. Okay? Is a third party. So, Amarava, ten mane leploni. Rava said, in a case of ten mane leploni, bakadeshlach, mekudeshet. The man tells the woman, give money to ploni. The money goes from the... Sorry? I drew it wrong already. The money goes from the woman to a third party. The man does not give any money. The woman does not receive any money. The woman gives money to a third party. Wait, so it really should be to me mane Perhaps. It should be. Uh, we know that sometimes the grammar around certain verbs is perhaps a little bit fluid in the rabbinic period. Ten money that kind of It's her money that she's giving to? Or is it Presumably else? it is her money. There's a major machokis rishonim here about how does this work. We're going to get back into that once we just can go through the cases. So, ten money leploni v'kadeshlach mekudashet midin arev. And arev is a guarantor or a co-signer on a loan. That is, if someone is borrowing money, the lova goes to the malva to borrow the money, and maybe the lova is unreliable, so the malva requests someone else to come along to guarantee the loan. The arev, even though the arev gets no benefit from co-signing on the loan, nonetheless obligates him or herself to pay back the loan in a case of default. So, midin arev, that means... And now the Gemara explains. Arev lav afal gavdelo mate hanali adei kamishabed nafshe. An arev who even though gets no benefit of his own, nonetheless obligates himself to pay. Hai itzetanami afal gavdelo mate hanali ada kamishabda umekanya nafsha. So too the woman who does not get any benefit from this transaction, that is the husband has not given her any money, 
Nonetheless, she obligates herself to enter into the marital relationship. I don't understand that. That's okay, we have to... Let's just... Malva and the Ares. She's being compared in this case to the Ares in that although she gets no benefit, she has obligated herself. And she's also giving the money. She's yes. also going into her pocket and giving the money. So she's now, maybe the, he... The Malva. Right. She's also the Malva. Fine, you could make a similar point. The point is, even when an Arev pays back the loan, the Arev has to go into his own pocket and pay the, pay the defaulted balance of the yeah, loan. Is this a loan? Or is this it's not a loan. Right. So it's it's the loan, though. Arev is being used as an analogous, uh, archetypical, transactional type. That is, an Arev is someone who obligates him or herself even though does not receive benefit from the transaction. So what are the kuchen is there here? Wait, wait, David has a question. Yeah. Well, according to this transaction, she doesn't give her own money. So. Uh-huh. It's a machok, it's for showing him whether she gives her own money or not. Okay, so, okay according to this transaction. Again, in the Gemara, the, the husband's statement is ambiguous, no, right? So now we have to just address the question of what mechanism is at play here to make this good Kiddushay Kesef. It seems like from Rashi, and all, we're going to see all three of these cases are a bit strange, Rashi seems to think that each of these, because they exist as archetypical transactions, they work. Because it works in Arev, it should work for Kiddushin. Because it works by Eved Kanani, it should also work for Kiddushin. That doesn't really make much sense. So that doesn't make a lot of sense, and the later Rishonim are troubled by that. The Rush thinks that the process by which the Kiddushin Kesef are affected is the transfer of this money. Money was transferred, and that's all you need for Kiddushin. (laughs) Fine. Let's say whatever we want about the fact that it was the wrong way or between the wrong parties, but money was transferred. So that means that Kiddushin is not about making a purchase. It's about the formal act of transfer is is attached to the Kiddush. No, oh, Mike, well, Mike, one sec. That's the rush. Why is the wrong way? Somebody wants to... It's the wrong way because the woman gets no benefit, and it's the wrong way because the husband doesn't lose anything. So, one sec. So, the Rambam's approach, and this is, I think, perhaps the most reasonable, is that the way in which the woman is getting married in this case is the fact that either she agrees to do what the husband asked her, and and the benefit that gets back and forth there, this is so this unarticulated. So well, one second. So the Rambam's point there is that the psychological benefit of one person listening to another person's uh, financial recommendations or trusting another person in a financial matter, that's usually worth uh, a pruta, a pruta minimal amount of value. So that would be what. Uh, makes the Kiddushé uh, Kesef work in this case. That is a psychological value which comes up much later in the Mesefta as well. That is, you do a dance for me and I'll be married to you or things like that. All of those kinds of uh, intangible values are nonetheless good for Kiddushin. That's the Rambam's approach. It does have the problem, like Michael was saying, that it's not articulated. Rashi here inserts the fact, and some of the other Rishonim as well, that actually all of this needs to be articulated clearly. Otherwise, it's not what it's it's her handing a hundred dollar bill to someone else. It doesn't. It's not connected to Kiddushin at all. So that's part of the problem. And and the Ritva kind of takes some kind of a middle approach where he says it is a monetary aspect of the fact that money was transferred, but some part of that is still linked back to the to the psychological aspect as well. It gets a little bit tricky to figure out, and that's part of the point here that these are very strange cases. What I also don't understand is that it's like a dish lock. Isn't that like already a no-no? Because it's... I'm sorry. Well, we're going to get to that as well. Um, but 
so that case is going to come up later, which is an even more precise formulation of that. And we're going to see exactly why, and that's part of why this is so important as a contrast to what we saw yesterday and the day before, which is that although there is a restriction on the woman making the, the transfer to the man, we're going to see exactly a case which is parallel to that, where the woman gives a gift to the man, and nonetheless it does work for well, Jews. So we're going to have to get to that. One second, we're going to have to get to that in just a second. Yeah, what he said, I'm just going to try to understand this. Because what he said, according to this, you give a money to so-and-so, I'll be mukudet. Sorry, right, I changed... Right, the, the woman says, ten money to play. I'm sorry, I, changed, I got it right the first time. This is why you should trust your notes. The, ma- the, the woman says to the man... Ten mane leploni, the akadesh ani lach. She it will marry to him. Right. right. That's the first case. That's din arev. Din arev. The money transfers from the husband to ploni. The husband still loses money. The woman does not gain any money, but nonetheless she gained the psychological value that the husband listened to her in this financial regard. Uh, the analogy that Arif can be is that any time, the fact that we have Arif in the world, people who are willing to support a loan while receiving nothing, shows that there are people who want loans to happen, right. even if it doesn't affect them. Right. And are willing to put their lives, their interest at stake to right. make that loan happen. Right. Either if it's for someone who they care about, who it right. gives them some. And yeah, that a right. loan happening is something we want and sacrifice for. Right. But okay. he didn't say anything. The husband in this case has not said anything. The woman comes to the husband and says. Give a money to Ploni and I will marry you. And that works, Midin Arev. The question of whether the husband has to say when he gives the money to Ploni, Hare at Nekudeshet Li, that you listen to me for giving the money to That's what he's saying. According to the Rambam, that's implicit. According to Rashi, he has to say something. It's a bit complicated. Okay, the next case. Yes. There's some element of her actually receiving the money because say she owed this fellow money. Ah, okay, that's a separate issue. That's paying back a loan or something else. It right. seems here there are no other strings attached. Otherwise, it would be okay, so more straightforward. Conceptual level. Of right. She's receiving it in the sense of that he's giving his money to someone else. Okay, so she, it has to be psychological you aspect. Right. 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 Okay, the next case is on the fourth line. The, in this case, So what happens? Someone, uh, the man, sorry, the man, That is, the woman says, take this money and I will be married to Plony. So let's call it here, this is the husband, so she's speaking with who we're calling Plony and she says, if I give you the money, this is the case we thought we had before, take this money from me, I will be married to someone else. Okay? And that is going to work what's called Midin Eved Kanani. Because what? A slave, when a slave buys his own freedom, the halacha is that a slave, everything that a slave owns is really owned by the master. So therefore the slave can't actually uh, buy his own freedom because any money that he'll have is going to if someone gives him the money to go buy his own freedom, they'll already belong to the master. Therefore, for a slave to buy his own freedom, someone else has to play a third role to pay the purchase price from the slave master. So I understand the lesson here. It's Halich v'hit kachi eshvi v'ekadesh, right? Is that what you're saying? No. You be married to Plony. Right. Uh, sorry. I keep mixing them up. Okay. Halach, the man says, Halach mana v'hit kachi Leploni. That is, he says to her, take this money. Right. The direction was reversed. The man says, the third party man says, here's a hundred dollars, be married to someone else. So, if it were 
if he were his shaliach, that would be great. That would just be regular shlichut. Here, this is not a case of shaliach. This is a case where this guy knows about this. Obviously, yeah, he has and to agree to it too. Obviously, he has to agree to it. But that, in whatever sense, the money being transfered is the husband is not losing any money. And you have to pay him back. The yeah, tra- tell back. If the husband had appointed the guy's shliach, this wouldn't even be right. A exactly, it wouldn't even be a chiddush. So there's no, it's not by by shlichut. So we didn't have a kanani. Eved kanani labav al gavde lo kachaser velomidi. The eved kanani in buying his own freedom does not lose any money because someone else has to purchase his freedom for him. The lo kanani lo midi kachani nafshe. Hi, Gavranami Afagabdul Kachaser Velomidi Kakanila Lahai Itida. So so too, just like this man, the man who's getting married, did not lose any money, so it's a comparable case to the slave who when the slave buys his own freedom does not lose any money yeah, because someone else has someone been else, bought. Like, like, so but that's the analogous the analogous case is that a person can make a transaction in which they do not lose any money. Someone else can spend all the money and it can still be your transaction. Expect a change of status. Right. Yeah. A change of status. Okay, so that's our second case. And now the third case, Tain Mane Leploni, the Kadesh Anilo. So the woman tells the husband, Ten Mane Leploni, the Kadesh Anilo. So this plony is paying the husband, and she told him, Ten Mane Leploni, the Kadesh Anilo, give money from you to the person I want to marry. And that works, and that works midin shnehem. It works from both combined. That is, the woman does not get any money, the husband does not lose any money, that is, the husband is even actually gaining money, and nonetheless, it works. So how does that work? The Gemara just expels it out explicitly. It works from both. It works by arev, because you can make a transaction, you can make uh, a change in status by... Even if you don't get any hana, so the woman does not get any money, and nonetheless she obligates herself. So then the second part of the problem is that the husband didn't lose any money, and Evikani comes to prove it, and Evikani and so the Evikani case is that the slave does not lose any uh, does not gain uh, the slave does not lose any money so to here the husband has not lost any money so then it's just the same problem in reverse and then both combined so th- those are the three cases. That is, we had first the case of Arev, where in the case of Arev, the woman um, does not get any money. The woman asked the man to give money to someone else, and that works because she has some psychological benefit. The second, Ebed Knani case, is that the someone else gave the woman the money, and the husband still marries her because even though he did not spend any money, it doesn't have to be his money that's spent on the Kiddushin. And then the third case, Combining them both, the woman does not get any money and the husband does not spend any money and nonetheless the Kiddushin does work. Now we have a fourth case. And this is a case that Michael was alluding to earlier, which is in some sense the most problematic considering the Gemara that we already had on Daf Hay. The Gemara says, By Rava. Rava asked a question. We're just going to see. By Rava. Heilachmana v'kadesh ani lecha mahu. What if the woman says, Here is the money to the man. She's giving the money to the man and she says, And I will be married to you. This is 
So, Ve'ikadesh anilach, mahu. Amar Marzutra Mishmeidah Rav Papa. Mekudesh, Marzutra says, it works for Kiddushin. Wow. Amar le Ravashi, le Marzutra, Ravashi responds, in Cain, habi alay nechasim she'ish lamachrayis, nicknamed nechasim she'ein lamachrayis. Banan ibchatnan, nechasim she'ein lamachrayis, nicknamed nechasim she'ish lamachrayis. Because of Bishtar Bechazak. This is a Mishnah that's coming up. And there's a Kenyan called Agav. Agav is when I'm purchasing a field, and there is a washing machine sitting in the field. So, when you buy the field, which are called nechasim she'ish lamachrayis, that is, they have uh, liabilities and liens imposed on them, there, because it's real estate. So real estate, when you buy a piece of land, if there are movable objects on top, those can be bought along with it. So if I buy a field with 500 sheep on it, I can buy the sheep along with whatever kinyan I'm using on the field. I write a star to buy the field, and the sheep come along for the ride. You have to specify that. You do have to specify it in the purchase agreement, but the kinyanim that work to buy sheep are, yeah. have to be Meshicha or Hagbar or something like that, uh, but you could use a star to buy sheep if you're buying them agav. That is, you buy a piece of land, and along with the land comes all the sheep. So that's called nechasim she'ein lahem achrayis, niknin agav, nechasim she'yesh lahem achrayis. Movable objects or, or uh, small-scale pur- purchase can go along for the ride with real estate. The problem is here is that it seems like when the woman is giving the man money, money is metaltalin, money is a movable object, so she, it seems like she is selling herself to him, so to say, along, that is agav, the money. The money is the primary transfer, and then she is transferring the kiddushin. Okay. the flock, and I'm getting the field agav. And that's the opposite of how the Mishnah teaches agav, and that's exactly the question then that... Uh, that um, Marzutra responds. Marzutish Who said I'm talking about Kinyan Agav? We're talking about a very important person. Rashi describes for us an Adam Chashuv, and Adam Chashuv is someone who does not like to receive gifts based on the Pasuk in Mishlei, which is a principle employed by Chazal regularly, which is that a person who refuses gifts is is a very praiseworthy thing. So Adam Chashuvas Kinan Dibahi Hana Dikamekabel Hana Mina Gamra Umekanyle Nasha. The Hana that she gets from the fact that such an Adam Chashuv who does not normally accept gifts has accepted her gift, that is worth to her one pruta. If you're going to take the President of the United States out for dinner, and you're paying the check, but he, he went out to dinner with you, that's still worth the fruits to you. That's the idea. But so, is that the same case with Robert's first case? Can money it is love? similar to that case, in that what's being talked about here is a psychological hana of a minimal value, in that a person is doing something that they might not ordinarily have done. So you have to know that this person would not normally have done that in Rav's first case, right? Ah, so that's part of the question as well. That in the earlier case, what was being discussed is Ari, which is a more general financial business agreement where the the uh, benefit is relatively well known. With Adam Chashuv, it's less common that a person would get any hana from the fact that you accepted my gift. It happens, but it has to be with particular people. Charlie has a question. So this would seem to permit a reverse spring ceremony. So that, but it would only work in a case of someone who is an Adam Chashub who regularly refuses gifts. So if you're such a person who regularly... Which is very, very few of us. Now again, it depends. Sometimes there are people who get a benefit or a hana from 
giving lots of people gifts. There are people who like to give gifts. So how can we assess the psychological value that a person would place on liking to give gifts? That becomes complicated. But yeah. But I don't understand that. What do you mean? Like in other words, my wife, let's say, has enough. Right? I have to be out of the She has enough from seeing me wear this ring. What does that do with it? Okay, so that's also part of it, is that almost in any kind of a, a gift-giving situation between people who care about each other, the fact that you yeah. got person the gift and they're exactly. happy they're to get it, it, then that makes you happy yeah. also. But that it's complicated. It's hard what to put say, it's yeah. hard to put a cash value on that, which is complicated. But, but yeah, it's yeah. like the MasterCard thing, priceless. You don't have to put a you know <laughs> ah, but it so, is priceless. But so when we talk about it's much, much more. I don't know. It's complicated. It would you it's true. It's complicated. It's complicated to make it work in real life in a in a precise way. And maybe if you want to make it work in real life, you need to specify I'm not being I'm not marrying through the re- receipt of this, or right. she's not marrying through giving me this. She's we're getting married through the hana right. at hand. And in this case, you don't need to specify that now because it's clear to everyone. Oh my gosh, giving this person a right. gift. Right. You're getting oh, from it. But you got to give the king a gift. That's right. real hana, right? Right. When you go and you see the president and you right. give them something from your country, that's right. 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 The hana is the opportunity you have. Right. So they don't need to specify. Maybe we have a cases with regular people there. You definitely need to specify it. It is complicated. Is that true? The other person you don't need to specify anything. I, I don't know about that. It, it again, it's complicated. It depends on how well known it is. I'm but sure. There's no right. There's no explicit. Con- right. We said the Rambam read it into the first case also. Read the Rambam reads the psychological aspect into the first case it's complicated here here it's the Gemara is explicit about that psychological value and it comes up in other sugyot later in the second no, and no, third paragraph as well but then having to express it are we saying that you don't even need to express the psychological value that I'm getting they know you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're I, don't, I don't know we have to continue because we're going to fall behind otherwise okay mm-hmm. there's another case that came up in the name of Rava it's interesting now that Rava taught three cases then Rava asked a question about one case that was answered by Marzutra later and now we have a member of Rava which presumably applies to the first three cases. What does Rava say? Marnami Mishmei Rava, V'chein Le'inyan Mamona. All of these mechanisms, that is, Arev, Eved Knani, Din Shnehem, and presumably, or perhaps not, the Adam Chashuv case, those cases would apply in monetary transactions as well. That is, if you want to employ as Kesef Kinyan for buying a field, which only needs to be one pruta, if you want that pruta to be based on one of these f- funny business kind of... Uh, Mechanisms, you could still do that as well. But it would become tricky to make it work in real life. Vitzricha, we needed to hear that from Rava. So maybe we would have thought that Rava only taught these in the case of Kiddushin because the necessary threshold of Kesef Kiddushin is relatively low. It's only one pruta, and it's something that could even be psychological, and even in any case there, because of the presumption that many women generally, or most women, want to get married. Uh, the question of how that gets applied and misapplied in contemporary cases and has been employed in a variety of ways is very complex. But suffice it to say, Reish Lakish said, It's better to be married than it is to be single, which I think generally the Jewish tradition at least does have a positive view of being married, so there is that. However, how does that impact marital law becomes more complicated. We wouldn't say it by monetary transactions where the threshold is perhaps higher. Mamona, that is monetary cases, there's room for mechila. You can not pay anything. A person can just say, ah, whatever, don't worry about the purchase price. Uh, 
right, have a gift, right. Uh, okay. There is no room for mechila. You can't just say, ah, whatever, don't worry about the kesef kiddushin, because then there's no formal transaction that serves to create the kiddushin. Kiddushin has to be with some kind of a transaction and not just with, um, with the consent of both parties, that we'll see later on in the set as well. Okay. Yes? K- is given at the Kedushin, right? Ketubah is a chiyuv at the time of Nisuin. Okay. Yeah. So she knows still she's going to get her uh, 200 zoos, right? Even well, the 200 zoos obligation, at least as Chazal Im- Im- imposes it, is only if the husband predeceases yeah. his wife or in the case of divorce. But she doesn't really get any real money until that happens. She does get the star, which is worth that right. much. And, right, so right. To, even though here there's not, she's not receiving anything uh, of substantial... Right, we have to separate the Kiddushin from the Nisuin. She's expecting she's going to have some security, uh, security through that Ketubah, uh, right? I'm, she knows that in, in a technical sense. I'm not sure it impacts any of this in any real way. That is, it's seen as a totally separate process. It's totally independent kind of transaction and there's, uh, we can talk about that more later but that's part of I think Rabbi Linzer even spoke about the, <laughs> the misconception that the Ketubah in some way serves as a star Kiddushin and it really doesn't it's totally for a separate process of the marriage which is connected to the Nisuin but it's a good question so Amarava Hitkachi Lila Chatziai be married to half of me a man goes to a woman and says be married to half of me Mekudeshet that does work. She is married to him. Chesiech mekudeshet li, half of you, half of the woman, be married to me, the man, eina mekudeshet. She is not married. Amar le'abai l'rava, ma'ishna chesiech mekudeshet li, de'ina mekudeshet. Isha marachmana velo chati isha, hachanami isha marachmana velo chati ish. Abai's question to Rava is, wait a second, if the whole reason why it doesn't work to marry half a woman is because the Torah said, ki ikach ish isha, when a man marries a woman, it means a, a whole woman, so too, it says ish, so it should mean a whole man as well. So Rava responds, "Don't tell me psukim. I'm talking about svaras." A woman cannot be married to two men, and therefore the implication of the statement, "Half of you be married to me," is that he's leaving over the other half of this woman to marry another man, which is forbidden. But in the time of the Gemara, polygamy, which is in a technical sense allowed, if a man says, "Half of me be married to you," what he's saying is, "I reserve the right." in our marriage to marry another woman which would be allowed and it would work so it's an interesting question to consider also this is not actually what they're talking about the man is not saying only half of me is married to you he's using it as an idiom to express his intent for polygamy and in fact it's interesting to question how much in entering into a polygamous relationship does a man need to have stipulated that as part of the terms of the initial relationship or not here it sounds like he's marrying this woman on an con- explicit condition that he plans to marry a second wife. So it's interesting to consider that. All of you will be Mkudeshet to me on Mondays and Thursdays. Well, Mondays and Thursdays becomes more, pop- more problematic just to think about the time is different than, than saying half and half. Okay. Now, if I want to marry another woman, I can. Uh, so when he says half of you be married to me why can't we say then a principle imported from the laws of hektesh of, of sacrifices why doesn't the holiness the kidusha of the marriage spread through her entire body that is he only married quote unquote half of her and nonetheless it should spread to her entire self if you go to an animal and say the leg of this animal is an ola to hey kula ola 
then the whole animal should be an ola. Even the opinion that it's a machlokis in Masachas Tamura, and there's an opinion that it does not work. If you say the leg, that's because you made hektesh something that the animal could survive without. That is a leg. If you amputate the animal's leg, it could still survive. However, if you say the heart of this animal is an ola, the whole animal is an ola. The brain of this animal is an ola, the whole animal is an ola. And that becomes because if the animal could not survive without it, then the entire life of the animal is included. And now you would say the same thing should apply. That is, if you would say half of this animal. If you split the animal in half down the middle, the animal would not survive. Therefore, it should be able to spread to the entire animal. And it's just a strange way of saying it. So we have to distinguish now between Kiddushin and Hektish. And what's the difference? No, there's a fundamental difference between marriage and sacrifices, and that is, when you make an animal sanctified for the altar, what you're doing is designating a totally inanimate... I mean, it's animate, an animal can walk around, but it does not have consciousness. An animal is not a bardat. In the case of marriage, the woman is consenting and agreeing to the marriage particularly as articulated by the husband at the time of the Kiddushin. That is, we saw earlier in the Masechta a few days ago, the notion that at the time of Kiddushin, the husband has to articulate a verbal declaration of what his intent is. And the woman's consent is consent to that statement. So therefore, if the man says, half of you is married to me, she could be agreeing only to half, and therefore it does not work, and would not allow the Kiddusha to spread through her as if in the same way that it would work for an animal where an animal has no consciousness to resist that. It's important to note the question of the role of the woman's das obviously here has a very high value in terms of determining how far the Kiddushin can work and what in which ways Kiddushin could be affected. Even here she seems to be relatively agreeing to the marriage but nonetheless because the husband articulated in a certain way and that's what she agreed to it would block the effectiveness of the Kiddushin. Uh, a few points to make before we get into the next part of the sugya, uh, which is a bit technical. Uh, there are some interesting machlokot here between Rashi and Tosfot about some of the issues we saw. Um, Tosfot and Rashi disagree about how much we saw with the question of Kinyan Agav. The Hava mina in the Gemara was that Kinyan Agav could be compared when you purchase land and you purchase, say, cattle who are on the land compared to when the woman is transferring the money and that she herself is connected to that. So Rashi says, oh, it's because we know, in general, human beings are, in a certain sense, comparable to land in transactional cases. And Tosa says, no, 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 no. We know that slaves are comparable to land. Slaves are like real estate because of a pasuk that uh, declares that. But it doesn't apply to free people in the same way at all. It's not, we wouldn't conceptualize people as property at all, is Tosa's suggestion. And the shach in Shulchan Aruch brings many, many, many proofs against Tosos, as is his, uh, often his way to do, that he becomes convinced of one position and he'll bring everything he thinks is a proof against it. But it's really an important question to think about when we say that uh, there's a hekesh between slaves and property, does that transfer to free people as well in a conceptual sense or not? Um, okay, let's continue. So... Um, Okay. Okay. So that's the case. The Amar So we said there was a case of Dasa Cheres Halodamia. So that's why they're not similar. No. Let's compare the case of a woman marrying a woman to a case of an animal that is owned by two partners. And 
one of the partners makes hekdesh, makes ready for sacrifice. Now here it can't be a sacrifice because only half an animal, we're going to see. So it has to be only as monetary donation. Uh, is makdish half of the animal, his half, v'chozer v'lakcha, and then he buys the other half from the other business partner, the hikdisha, and then he makes the other half hekdesh, kidusha, then it is it is hektesh, it is kedosha. The ena kreva, you cannot bring it as a sacrifice because it is really two half animals glued together. Conceptually, what has happened? The person made one half hektesh, he didn't own the other half, then he bought the other half, and then he made the other half hektesh. So it's two halves, it's not a whole animal. Ena kreva, the oset mura, it can be used to make a tmura which is complex. That is, the laws of Timura, the laws of exchanging animals, which is a prohibition in the Torah, but it works. That is, if I have a, an animal which is hectic, and I say, th- that other sheep should take the Kedusha from this sheep, they're both holy. That is, they both have Kedusha. So, that only works if the animal had Kedushat Haguf. So here, on the one hand, Eina Kreva, because it's really like two halves, at the same time, it's Kadosh enough to make a Timura. So it's, it's in limbo. It's in a halfway, halfway state. Utumurata kayotseba. And the tmura that you would make is also eina kreva. It also cannot be brought as a sacrifice because the tmura itself is also two halves. So that's an interesting point. Shemamina atlat. We learned three things from this. Interesting to note throughout Shas, whenever you have a Shemamina with a number, it's always Shemamina atlat. We can only learn three things from something. You don't have a Shemamina tray, you don't have a Shemamina arba. Probably as a mnemonic point, uh, sometimes some of the two of the points are very similar to each other. Uh, animals can be pushed aside. That is, if, and this is the question about dihui. Dihui means an animal that was disqualified at some point after becoming hektesh, or even we're going to see dihui meikara havi dihui, or even if its initial state of being hektesh was that it was uneligible to be sacrificed. Nonetheless, that counts as dihui. That means an animal which had a flaw, and then the flaw uh, resolved itself, nonetheless, remains. That would be the case of the Tmura. That is, once the hektish case, the whole animal is kadosh, you try to make a Tmura, the Tmura is still a problem. Shmamina, yesh dihui bedamim. And there is even dihui, that is, even disqualification of the animal in a case where the hektish was kirushat damim, that is, value hektish, and not kirushat haguf, intrinsic bodily hektish in the animal to be brought as sacrifice. So, so how does that work? Does that mean, let's say the animal has been sold, does that mean the money can't be uh, used for korbanot? <laughs> well, that animal, that animal, the animal will be sold by the Beit HaMikdash and the money right. would be used for korbanot. That means, but, right, so that, that's different. That means here it's Kedushat Damim. It's two halves and you go and sell it and, and you're, they're poted the Kedusha and that, that would be fine. But an animal that's, that is consecrated with Kedushat Damim typically isn't going to be sacrificed anyway. Correct. Here the case was he tried to make it Kedushat Haguf that's the whole point about the Tmura case. Uh, Oset Tmura indicates that it really is Kedushat Haguf. Mm-hmm. But it's Kedushat Haguf of a case that is deeply flawed kind of Kedushat uh-huh. Haguf. Okay. So by Rava. Now Rava is going to ask a number of cases. And all of these are ambiguous cases, but they're getting into the question of what sort of transaction, what sort of transfer is necessary for the Kedushin. And we're going to see. So by Rava. A man goes to the woman and says... Half of you be married to me with half pruta, and half the other half be married to me with the other half of the pruta. Now, let's think about this for a second. There's no such thing as a half pruta. A pruta is the smallest coin. So when you say a half pruta, you're obviously counting up to something. That's one possibility. Or is the fact that you said half a problem? 
Machok Rishonim also, what's the problem that the word half is saying? Is it half a woman, which we already saw, is problematic? Or is it chatsi pruta, that there's no real money here? Two half prutas, in a sense, does not add up to a whole pruta because there's no such coin as a half pruta. So let's see. So, by Rabbi Chatsi, the problem of, uh, of a half human being, in other words, like this, Neshama uh, Enes Uliba, like your hand. No, it would be. Oh, like your hand will be Makudesh, so you can't do that. No, it's not. It's, it's a special exclusion. Dot, the bar dot is the exclusion. Right, exactly. It's special kiddush, uh, exclusion by Kedushin. It's not because of Neshama Tuliyabo or not Neshama Tuliyabo. Right, it's because she wouldn't be consenting to it. Right. Okay, so by Rabbi Chatziach Bechatzi Pruta Bechatziach Bechatzi Pruta Mahu, what should be the case? Rabbi is talking out loud. Kevanda Amar Lachatzi Pruta. The fact that he said half a pruta, but other Gersos just say, So, Chetzi Pasca, it stops. That is, it's two separate uh, transactions, which each one of them is invalid, and therefore it wouldn't work. He's counting up. That is, he first said half, and then he said the other half, and it just builds up. He was just, that's the way he was counting it out in his head. He said, okay, half, and then the other half. Okay, so Mone the Holechu, and that should be fine. Um, so then if you'll admit to me the case that and that it should work what if he tries to do the same thing but now using two prutas instead of one pruta half be married to me with one pruta and half with another pruta the fact that he said one pruta which is actually a considerable value rather than half pruta which is not considered to be valuable that would split the two statements and therefore it would not work. Odilma called Beyome Mone Beholechu. Or anything that happens in the same day, I'm not sure it really means the same day, uh, I'll explain in a minute. Except that we know from the end of Nidarim that by Kiddushin there's no such thing as as Tokedibur. That is, Kiddushin has to be in one moment. It can't be even stretched across a minimal length of time. Um, so, Kiddushin. Or, or you there, maybe that's different. Maybe here you're actually adding two positive pieces together to make a single transaction, rather than there the question of tochkei dibur is about retracting your statement. So to retract the statement, maybe you don't have the power, but maybe you do have the power to combine, uh, to accrue uh, individual pieces of the of the uh, interaction together. Omar, so now the next case, and if you'll admit to me that case, that that's correct, what about, I marry half of you today, half tomorrow, and we would think at this point it's getting pretty absurd, it sounds like it really wouldn't work, okay, the fact that you said tomorrow, already that totally separates it, the marriage starts now, but he's trying to conceptually draw out what is really an instantaneous interaction. That is, Kirushin. He gives her the pruta and she accepts it and that's it. That should be an instantaneous interaction. And it's really, he's trying to draw it out now across two different days. It's interesting also just to think the fact that they're thinking about it day by day rather than in minutes and hours, which they also know about. It's interesting that sort of what, it's very coarsely grained time scale. Uh, so interesting to think about. What if a person goes to the woman and says, your two halves be married to me with this one pruta, that is a single transaction. So, he said it in one time, and it should work. A woman cannot ever be married by 
by halvesies. That is, the whole notion of saying <laughs> even two, two halves is not the same as you, the person, be married to me. It somehow uh, indicates a flaw in his conception of what marriage is about, or perhaps she's not agreeing to what he's proposing the same way because she doesn't understand what he means. So, let's think about it there. Yes? Uh, that is a, we've compared, um, in some cases, um, marriage to taking a, an evid. Um So this is an example where it's very different because you can't have a, an evid being owned by two different people. You can, yes. But that's exactly the point, is that marital relationship is fundamentally between a man and a woman in this case, and so what's being described is not a, a business partnership by any means uh, that could be compared to two people going right. to buy a slave. It's very different in the notion of how... So even though there are parallels, and even though the way the Gemara creates halacha is by drawing analogy be- between cases that are close enough to be compared, but nonetheless there are really major distinctions between, obviously, buying a slave and getting married. I just can't quite figure out what a marriage is. Of course not. We have uh, at least 80 more pages, right, to figure it out. Uh, uh, 70 more pages. This should should have been the first... uh, But it's the shortest. Okay, so let's continue. By Rava. So Rava now... So that all ends with Teku. That is, all of the cases we just saw are not unresolved cases. We know that the general principle is that many of the Rishonim try to later determine how to paskin. The Rambam, as far as I know, always paskins lechumra in cases of teku. Um, of course, I said always. Probably there are some exceptions, and it depends how do you read the Gemara and things like that. But, well, I don't know. There, there's somehow, somehow a sense of a rule that the Rambam has there that teku means we don't know, so you have to, you have to be machmir. Um, okay. By Rama, shnei benotayich lishnei banai bepruta. A man who has been appointed a shaliach by his two sons to go get them married off. It can't be that he's just doing it against their will uh, because there's no such thing as a husband marrying off his son uh, as, a, as an agent by the Torah. It has to be that the son's actually appointed him. But the father of two boys goes to the father of two underage girls and says, your two daughters be married to my two sons Bipruta, with one pruta, mahu, batar, notenu do we go by the people who are having the interaction, which makes it, in a certain sense, less financial. That is, a single pruta affects kidushin in a general sense. Um, mamona, and there is a piece of money being transferred here. Odilma, batar, didhu, azlinan, leka. Or do we go by the men and women who are themselves getting married, and therefore that there's not enough? There's only one pruta for two marriages, and that's not enough. Teku, we don't know. Okay. Baira papa, paratcha mahu, a case where a person goes to buy a cow and also wants to marry someone's daughter and says with a single pruta. Now we're going to see what the question is. Are you really saying marry? your daughter with half a pruta and buy the cow for half a pruta? Oh, Dilma, bitcha pruta, the kasef kirushin is by one pruta. Uparatcha b'meshicha. You just sort of said them both together, but really they're two fundamentally different transactions. And again, part of the question here is Chazal wrestling with the question of the fact they know that Kiddushin comes in a context of Kinyanim and purchases, but they're at the same time problematizing and to a certain extent undermining some of that process as well. No, it's two separate transactions. Well, it could be conceptualized as well. You could, but they don't say that. They say Meshicha. They didn't say Agav. Because again, Tosfot told us Agav would work with slaves but not with getting married. Right? Yeah, but, uh, but it's the power that I'm interested in, not the, not the woman. So, 
No, because the agav, that's what Tosos' point says, is that you can't say agav by kiddushin in the same way that you would say agav by buying a slave. Agav is a principle that works by karka, and it's extended to slaves, but Tosos says it doesn't extend to getting married. Okay, take you. also resolve take you. By Ravashi, bitcha bekarka ha bipruta. So now we're sort of closer than a marriage and a cow because they're in different classes, so to say, of purchase. But, like we said, there is a, a closer connection between human beings and land in a certain sense. So, Rabashi's question, uh, marry your daughter and buy your field with one pruta. Mahu bitcha bechatsi pruta vekarkacha bechatsi pruta. Is he saying half and half of the pruta? Odilma bitcha bepruta vekarkacha bechazaka. Or, no, I want to buy the field by building a fence, knocking down the fence, uh, plowing it, walking along the land. That's a, a totally different mechanism of kinyan for the, for the field. Teku. Hahua gavra de aktish beshirai. There was a man who wanted to get married using a piece of silk. Now, how much is silk worth? Back then, it was a fortune because so silk is very valuable. The silkworms out of China yet. This is true. So silk is very expensive. However, how much is silk worth? You go to the marketplace. You know how much silk is cost. Okay, so that's going to be our question. Rabba Amar, lo shuma. Rabba says it does not need to be evaluated for its value. That is, we know that it's valuable. We know that it's certainly worth a pruta. So who cares? doesn't matter how much it's actually worth. Okay. Rav Yosef Amar, shuma. Rav Yosef says it does need to be evaluated. Why? Because the woman is consenting to the marriage on the condition that it's worth a certain amount. This becomes the basis for the fact that we are machmir to use only particular kinds of wedding rings, that is, those that could be, to a certain extent, evaluated, evaluated accurately. accurately. That is, a, a plain metal ring without Perfor- par- perforations and, and artistic decorations and things like that, or gemstones, because the value of gemstones is a very broad range. A person might think, oh, this, this is a real diamond, and really it's glass or cubic zirconia or something else that's worth less. And therefore, um, the woman would not have consented to the marriage uh, she was only con- consenting because she thought the ring was worth $50,000 and really it's worth $5,000. So that's a big difference. Okay. So, Everyone agrees that if the man, even when he gives her the piece of silk, says, if you're, you'll agree to be married to me, with, with a minimal value, that is, with a Shaveh Pruta within this silk tapestry. You know the silk tapestry is certainly worth more than that, but just agree to marry me as if it's worth only a Pruta. Everyone agrees. Everyone agrees it does not need to be assessed. Because if he had said it was worth 50, and it really wasn't worth 50, shavu. So, and if it wasn't, uh, okay, keep, uh, and so then everyone would agree that in that case, because he was misleading her. If he said explicitly that it's worth 50, and it wasn't actually worth 50. So, ha, lo shavu, it wasn't worth that much. Kipligi, so the machlokis between Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef is in a case, kipligi da'amar chamshin v'shavu chamshin. He said it's worth 50, and it was worth 50. But the problem was that she probably didn't know about it. Rabbi Amar, lo tzrikhe shuma, da'af shavu chamshin. Rabbi says, it, it was worth 50. So, it's fine. He said it was worth 50, and then it was worth 50, so she agreed to it, and it was correct. So it's fine, no problem. But Yosef Amar, it needs to be assessed. A woman, a normal woman, doesn't know how much silk is, silk is worth. Uh, so she wouldn't have really agreed to it. And therefore, because she didn't really agree to it, that would be a problem in terms of moving forward with the Kiddushin, even though it turns out later to have been worth as much as the husband suggested. Some questions. 
Uh, it's not a question. I just looked up. Um, silk uh, did not even silk itself didn't even make it to the Middle East until the fourth century, which is why these would be rather late on Mariam. Oh, that's a very interesting point, right? Rabbah and Rav Yosef already now what in the fourth generation? Right. So and, it's interesting uh, to know. And silkworms did not make it till the sixth century, which was after the uh, time of the Talmud. That's perfect. So it's exactly they're dealing with uh, iPads and Kindles and everything yeah. contemporary technology being introduced right in their time. They have exactly the question. There's this expensive stuff I heard about that I, we don't really know how much it's worth. It's very valuable. It comes from China, mm-hmm. so who knows? So we have to uh, deal with it as it as it comes. Okay. It made in China. Made in China. Back then, that was really a worthwhile thing. It made it okay. in Japan a few hundred years earlier. Besides. Well, that makes sense. Okay. So ikidamre bekoldu hunami pli. There are those that is a different approach to this whole sugya. Ikidamre is a later later gloss on the Talmud which is usually considered to be authoritative they even disagree when the man said be married to me with a single pruta's value within this silk object Rav Yosef so Rav Yosef says a Sheve pruta the fact that you're getting married with Sheve pruta worth of a single pruta is like money and what is the quality of money ma kesef decays kesef is uh, precise, precisely measured value. A coin is a coin. One, a nickel is worth five cents, and I know that, every nickel I have. But if you're telling me, here's a huge piece of silk that I'm giving you, it's beautiful, it's valuable, it's very valuable, be married to me with a single pruta's value within this, the woman doesn't know how much silk that is. It's not a precise measurement. So, af shavekesef nami dekayitz, shavekesef, something which is property which is worth money even when it's used for Kedusha Kesef has to be precisely designated how much is being used otherwise the person will be confused so Amar Avio says Manam in Allah how do I know this? Titania Mekesef Miknato Bekesef hu nikna ve'enu kene nikna betvua ve'kelem so this is a discussion here about um, Master Shani so Master Shani I think right? no Ebed Ivri I'm sorry so the case of Ebed Ivri that is a Jewish person indentures himself uh, to six years of servitude in order to either pay back a debt that he could not pay, uh, which is the case of Mecharuhu Beitin, or he's very poor, Mocher Atzmo. He needs the money, so he goes and indentures himself and gets a pretty good business deal um, in terms of the values that are being discussed. So, and that evaluation is Mikesef Miknato. The, when Evidivri goes to buy back uh, his indentured servitude that is after a certain number of years maybe he doesn't want to work all six years he saved up the money so now he wants to buy off the rest of his time and he has to use kesef miknato the kesef who nikneb eno nikneb you could not use either produce that is fruits and vegetables and grain and all sorts of things or kalim uh, farm tools, merchandise, all sorts of things. Hi, Tvuva Kelim, hey, dummy. So, what's the problem with Tvuva and Kelim? Ilema, Delo, Miknubu, Klal. So, maybe you'll say that you could not use them to purchase anything at all. But we see Yashiv Gulato, the rest of the Pasuk, does uh, allow them in other kinds of contexts. So, Amarachmana, Lerabo, Shavekesef, Kikesef. So, the phrase Yashiv Gulato in the rest of the Pasuk comes to include Shavekesef, things which are worth money. Kikesef. That is to equate barter with purchase. E um, What if they're worth less than pruta? So it won't work. Uh, you wouldn't even be able to use money less than pruta. There is no such money that's less than pruta. Ella lot. Rather, it's not what we're talking about. They are worth more than a pruta. They do have a substantial value. 
And because the problem with uh, Tuvua and Kalim is that they do not have a precisely fixed, measured, calculated value, the value fluctuates, the value is irregular, and therefore, if I'm buying an earthenware pot, I can say the entire pot is worth $10, but I cannot cut it into the pieces that make up the individual value in a, in a clear way. And part of that is noting the fact that value of objects, or, or in a meaningful sense, comes about from the fact that they are a complete whole, and the whole is more than the sum of its parts. Different than money, where if I have a pound of silver and I can cut it into all of its ounces, it's still worth the same amount. Uh, at least in a, in a society, and, and now we have even finer precision and even more accurate assessment of monetary value because it's all digital and to a certain extent. That is, all of our money is totally abstract at this point. That has halachic implications as well. A dollar bill has no intrinsic value in the same way that gold does. Of course, gold doesn't really have intrinsic value in a clear sense anyway. Uh, ben, you have a question. Do you believe that you can't use Shabbat Kesef for your financial transaction? Or this is a unique rule for, for Avadim and for Kedusha? So it's here, it's, but again, know what we know from the first Mishnah, that is, it actually comes in two stages. That is, first, the Pasuk distinguished between Kesef and Shavet Kesef. That's the first half. That's Kesef Miknato. And then the second half, Yashiv Geulato, Geula, referring to a broader sense of, of financial obligation, comes now to include Shavet Kesef Kesef. But that means that Shavet Kesef is subordinated in some sense to Kesef. That means Shavet Kesef has to play by the same rules. And one of the rules, according to Rav Yosef, is that it has to be Kais which therefore would exclude using Shavet Kesef in certain kinds of transactions. Would that apply also just a regular like Obviously not. You could barter things all you want. So this is specifically for things like Avadimic. Exactly. Where there needs to be a... I guess you could say it's because it has to have a halachic result. It's not just whether you're purchasing something or not, but it's actually you're trying to affect the status change. There you would need a sort of a more formalized notion of what, what is money. For certain halakhic transactions, don't we go out of the way to try to use coins that have at least some silver in them? <laughs> yes. For Maser Shani in particular, because the Pasuk says, mm-hmm. uh with Kiddushin and, and with buying uh, slaves or buying off uh, indentured servitude and things like that, it seems like we have a more a broad well, notion. Well, is not, is not a silver coin. Uh, exactly. Well, that's the Machlok is Beit and Bid Hillel, right? Beit Shammai says the minimal amount for Kiddushin is a dinar, which right. is uh, a base silver coin and pruta is is a copper coin so obviously a copper coin does not have silver in it uh, or very little silver uh, and therefore uh, would not be a necessary requirement here we're talking about kesef in the sense of um, a monetary value rather than kesef as a silver piece um, the shekel has to be silver has to be a half shekel of silver right because it says explicitly in the Torah that's part of the process of doing that mitzvah. Um, the modern machetita shekel coming up with Purim is obviously not. It's uh, in the sense of Zecher uh, Lemikdash, the Ashkenazi custom to give uh, a half of the local currency or three halves of the local currency to Tzedakah just to remember that in Adar we used to collect the, the machetita um, shekel. One other point about Purim that's coming up, an interesting notion that comes up because of uh, Kiddushin, is that, that the Ramah in Siman, I think it's Taf Resh Tzadi Hey, the Ramah has a very strange halacha, which is that a man should not send Mishlach Manot to a widow because of the concern of 
that there will be a concern that it's Tafek Kiddushin. And all the Akronim are very bothered by the, I don't understand. The woman obviously would have to consent and the man would have to intend for it to be Kiddushin in order for there to be a problem. So all sorts of Akronim they're trying to deal with the question of how would that even work? What's the concern? What's the problem going on there? What is the Ramah talking about? But take a look there to connect uh, today's learning and the next week's learning with Inyani Dioma. So with that, we've finished towards the top of Cheremonal. We'll conclude uh, tomorrow on Shabbos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.